do this train hope to culture podcast i'm your host jason and i'm your co-host luke good mate how are you good man well, here's Luke, the uh, the other Luke. I think Luke got confused there. This is Luke Youngins. I pronounced yeah, your yeah, last name correct. Yep. Awesome. So, welcome to the podcast, mate. It's good to yeah, have you. Yeah, awesome. On. Awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Been a long so, time between drinks, mate, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Been a couple. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have a drink with you after the Penrith Reptile Expo, I think, this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good little turnout with us. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I was yeah. going to come, but I had to duck off home. Big drive. Missed out, mate. Missed out. So. I know. I think it's yeah, oh, no, Josh had kids too, So, but he was, his kids were eight hours away. So. <laughs> it's a long drive home. It's a bit bigger than me. Is that Josh, yeah. Yeah. Josh Johnson? Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. yeah, mine was only just from off back, back up to the coast. But That's still a long drive for you, though. Yeah, it's about, I think, it's, yeah, about an hour 45, yeah. two hours, yeah. I think, depending on traffic. So, but yeah, race time, see the kids. I was keen for a beer, yeah, though. Yeah. I'll spew yeah, it was good. It was good to, <laughs> obviously, the Reptile Expo was, you know, lots of people there and so on and so forth. But it was nice to just sit down with a couple of good people that, you know, some of, like yourself, Jason, I hadn't seen you for. A very very long time and yeah it was just good to catch up with a couple of people obviously moving to queensland i didn't see everyone as as frequently as i had been and yeah, it was good just to sit down and properly chill meet a couple of new people luke yourself yeah and uh finally met yeah. tyson so that was good yeah yeah no it was good that that i always liked doing that as well because you know, I was kind of half considering, I'm like, nah, I should probably go home too. But I'm like, nah, this is where all the good chat happens, you know. Like, you, yeah. it, it is good to stand around and talk to, to everybody at an expo, but you really get a bit more deep into yeah. into things yeah, over, a, over a beer with some really keen yeah. hobbyists. Yeah, so, so the expo has a lot of, like, general chit-chat. And, oh, hey, I've met you on Instagram or I've met you through this group or something and this. But when you actually sit down, it's, yeah, definitely much. A bit rushed yeah. too. Like yeah, you every, really everyone wants to have a, chat with you. a decent convo. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of pressure at those expos sometimes, especially if you yeah. you are kind of standing around. Oh, I can, I can imagine. So, yeah, exactly. props to you guys. You did a good job. Yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about that. Awesome. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we might do it again yeah, sometime. Definitely. Yeah, you know, the, the guys at the um, Hawkesbury Herpetological Society were really good to yep. us, and you know, yeah, they, they threw a great event. Yep. So, yeah, we'd we'd come back if yeah, they asked. Sure. No doubt. Hundred percent. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, mate, we've we've got a list of questions yeah, to get through, it. and there's also some juicy juicy questions and stuff that we want to get into later, yep. no doubt. So um, we're just going to fire off the bat with kind of like a bit of a generalised introduction to yourself yep. for for people that don't know you. But um, what kind of originally got you interested in reptiles or wildlife? Yeah. In general? So um, yeah. Look, my my story in terms of getting into reptiles is no different to to most of the people who are hardcore into it. Um, my house back in Sydney, uh, where I grew up, backed onto Kuringai Chase National Park. So, you know, I was always in the bush every day after school, catching lizards and uh, turtles and bringing them home and sticking them in a bathtub or God knows what, you know, doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I was in the bush every single day. Um, if David Attenborough wasn't on TV, I was in the bush. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it started with that and then I got into dinosaurs um, and then, yeah, that kind of fostered up the the reptile thing. Um, oddly, I got into fish first. Um, my dad had a massive tank of um, neon tetras and he used to breed them and 
yeah, I don't know what happened. I just got into plecos and bristlenose catfish and managed to breed them and started selling them when I was five or six. And my dad obviously helped me with that and started doing that until I was eight or nine. And then I remember reading a book and I was trying to build um, nest boxes to hang up in the trees in the garden. And um, at the back of it, it basically said that you could own a pet snake. And if you contacted the Australian Herpetological Society, you could do that. And I got all excited over that. Um, so my parents said, oh, well, if you save your money up, you can buy a snake. So started talking to the Australian Herpetological Society and bred enough bristlenose catfish to <laughs> buy a snake, which was a spotted python from Bob Whitty back in the day when a spotted python would fetch you 400 bucks. So, um, yeah, I've yeah. achieved that by the time I was 10 or 12. And yeah, then one snake turned into two and you know the rest of it. <laughs> 200 later. <laughs> <laughs> Snowball. Yep. yep. It's a dangerous oh, slope that terrible. everyone yeah. goes down. Yeah. yeah, I swear to God, everyone experiences it once. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm yep. still experiencing yep. it. You only have to have a half a look around behind <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. I'm, I'm re-experiencing it. <laughs> You're so. just back in, Jake. <laughs> like, I got out and I'm back in and I'm like, oh, no. Mm. You've hit yourself hard. Like, yeah, that's it. Man, yeah, yeah I know. That's why I'm trying to keep the books. Like the books are trying to uh, stop me from getting yeah, other stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, feels. It's it's good to have another hobby to yeah. to keep you away from it, um, which I believe we'll be yeah, talking exactly. about soon. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah so anyway, that's true. that's um yeah. that's how I got into it, pretty much. Well, Bob Withy's a good character to get in with the first pet from as well. He's a yeah. pretty classic herper yeah. out there, and you know he's he's got a stack of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is he still in the hobby? Uh, he was at the expo selling his wares. Oh, okay. So yeah, I definitely say yep. he was there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, he was selling some knobtail geckos and a few yeah, pythons. Cool. Um, yeah. I think I've bought. Uh, I bought some degradation womers off him yep. a few years back, and also some northern, northern blueies. Yeah, I got yeah. some northern blueies yeah, off yep. him as well. He's a nice yeah. guy. Yeah, no, he's yeah, classic old timer. Been in it for a very, very long time. Oh yep. yeah, yeah. So um. When when you did kind of like start down that snowball, what was the kind of like the catalyst? Like did you have kind of a bunch of species that you kind of like came and went with or did you have something that you really got into? Um, no, nah, it was uh, open a field guide and I wanted every single thing in the field guide <laughs> uh, situation. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, you know, being in uh, backing onto a national park, you know, there's so much to see. And, yeah, as you, you know, I swear you get into keeping and, um you realise there's so much more than what you realise. Obviously, everything that existed in my backyard was kind of it to me. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you start keeping and you learn about different species, different localities and so on and so forth. And then I went down the locality bandwagon of wanting different locality spotted pythons and children's pythons and stimmies. And, yeah, it's just was out of control like i said it started with one snake that snake turned into a pair then i bought a pair of captain children's pythons and then i started working with um anthony stimson just volunteering for him when i was really young he didn't pay me but um any leftover stock that he had um basically at the end of the breeding season he actually used to just offload to me so i've got a got quite a few snakes quite quickly through that and then yeah just yeah just everything i eh? So, so not just snakes though. If I'm 
not mistaken, you got into Start, lizards started and all sorts with snakes. Well. Yeah, um, mostly pythons. Obviously, it's a trend if you want to do it with that to have a have a snake or get a couple. <laughs> so I probably went down that way a little bit. And um, yeah, it took took me a little while to get into the lizards, but when I did, um, they actually took over, and I prefer lizards now. Um, but yeah, when when I did, I can't even remember what the first lizard I got was. But yeah. <laughs> I've had everything, I think, just about. Did So as far as like lizards are concerned, did you have kind of like a, a favourite group? Um, like did you prefer goannas or geckos? or? Yeah, uh, J- Jason would know. <laughs> I went uh, pretty hardcore into the geckos uh, for, a, for a while there. Yeah. Um, they were probably my... We used to chat for ages yeah, about geckos. Yeah, <laughs> um, I had a bit of everything before that sort of happened and then I, I turned 18 and, yeah, I kind of went down a bit of a bad loop there uh just with the partying and stuff and kind of went off the reptiles a little bit i still had stuff but um not as much as i did and i actually used um i saw on reptile classifieds a dude selling 10 exoterras for 400 bucks and i was like yeah i've just got to get on that so i bought them and they were all perfect size for strafurus so i decided to get into strafurus because i had a full setup so i was like i'll use these to try stay away from partying a bit and put my money into something else and yeah as jason knows one trio of strafurus turned into i don't know 40 trios and <laughs> it, it escalated a lot yeah that's awesome yeah so uh, i guess yeah. you could say Me, that's sorry go no i was gonna say pretty much we were chatting every day about strafurus. literally yeah literally different potential yeah. species and localities and yeah it was crazy yeah. um but yeah no i flicking articles to yeah. each other and book I think at pictures. Yeah, I think at my peak, I like not just Strafurus. I think at my peak with the geckos, I probably had around 250 adults. Um, Yeah, it was just insane. Insane. Um, Yeah, I (laughs) kind of get a bit excited about things and start buying everything. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like me and Luke. You're addicted to exercise. Yeah, oh, frother, mate. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, (laughs) no. I remember we'd just send like secondhand exoterra ads. To this one's like, near oh, you. you Quick, buy it. This. Oh, I can't get it. This one. Yeah, <laughs> <Done>. exactly. <laughs> yeah, then you end up with the rooms full. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Man, 250 adult geckos. Yeah. But hey, the exoterra rooms look good. It's a wow factor every time oh, someone 100%. walks in. It's good. Yeah. They are a good enclosure. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm getting closer to my end goal of having all these things filled with like proper backgrounds and stuff that I've made in them. And and you know what the problem with that end yeah. goal is? It never you'll you'll reach it and then you'll know you want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've only got limited space before my wife gets yeah. me out. So yeah, you'll end up in a commercial at least warehouse. Sort of ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Jason and I should go hard yeah. in the shed. Just start a zoo yeah, or something. It. Start our own little lizard Reptile lab. Yeah, sure. That'd be a bit of fun. So, um, you do you currently keep any reptiles at home? Um, my housemate has uh, quite quite a number of them. I've actually not got anything at the moment, which is um, yeah, a blessing. Actually, it, it's really nice to just take a take a proper break from it. I do have a couple of animals, um, just there with friends and so on. So I wasn't able to, I would have brought yep. one snake up, which was my Western Brown snake. Um, he's, he's a good snake, but um, I couldn't get my permits approved up here. They, they weren't too happy about me just going straight onto an advanced keepers permit here. 
Um, so I just wrote him off to a friend's and I'll just take a little break and once that all gets sorted, I'll, I'll eventually get him back. Um, and then I've got a few albino olive pythons with a, with a friend in Brisbane and yeah, they're just sort of sitting with him. So yeah. What are they like? I hate them. The <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Worst, worst investment I've ever bought. Yeah. Have you got any? You got any clutches out of them? Uh, yet, we or? we bred them this year, so the the female yeah. albino unfortunately threw a full clutch of slugs. So I think she had fifteen oh, baby or fifteen eggs, and yeah, every single one was a slug, unfortunately. And the het uh, het one that we have is due to lay any day. So wait, hoping a full clutch comes from that. But yeah, was that head to head? Head to albino. Yeah. Albino. Yeah. So okay. So. Hopefully, hopefully get some more albinos. Um, but yeah. 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 So I think we got uh, we got five in total: three females and two two males. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I've I've had so many moments where I'm like, I need to take a break from this, but I just I find something that just keeps pulling me back into it. I think at least you've got a pretty legitimate excuse from, you know. Getting out of it a little uh, bit. And... Yeah, yeah. I think uh, well, I can talk about that if you really want. Um, what actually got me really fed up with the whole thing, um, I don't know if you guys are yeah. too aware. Um, I was kept pretty quiet with my name on it, but um, I had a, a joint collection with Josh Hatton with the uh, Diamond Pythons. So on Instagram, I was diamondpythons.au or .com or I don't know what I called it. But, um, yeah, I had uh, 36 Diamond Pythons and – with the 36 diamonds, obviously most of them were Josh's, but um, I had a couple thrown in there. Um, but I had several other things and I had probably, yeah, 70 or 80 lizards alongside of that as well. And um, I just had a really terrible breeding season go down. Um, I had I lost a female blue tree snake. I quietly had a couple of them and lost her getting egg-bound and um, I didn't didn't actually pick up that she was gravid and she got egg-bound and by the time we went through surgery and everything, lost her. I had two diamonds get egg-bound, so both of them needed surgery to get saving. Um, lost both the clutches for them. Um, and then I had, what else happened? Oh, I had a, an accident happen with a diamond. I, I don't quite know what happened, but it broke its spine somehow and... Um, it was still able to move and everything, but it was just not okay. Um, so decided to euthanize that after a lot of you know X-rays and everything, and that all went through a, a uni vet, so that had pretty high prices on it. Um, and that was all through COVID. So when I'd lost both my jobs to COVID, so I was sitting on like five hundred dollars a fortnight or something, whatever the gov- government supplements were. So I was. I think it wrapped up about $6,000 in vet bills, which was just, yeah, it really fucking killed it, to be honest. <laughs> so after that, I, yeah. Um, yeah, offloaded a lot of stuff and um, tried to hold on to it. Because you had some cracker diamonds too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're good, they're good snakes. They're yeah. all with one particular person at the moment. So Josh and I don't have our oh, fingers in that pie anymore. But, um, yeah, someone else has decided to take them on and, um, yeah, he'll, he'll be doing very well with them. So... Yeah, but um, yeah, as I said, um, yeah, really, through a, it was a, a real low blow, and it wasn't just one or two things. It was a, a lot of yeah. things that happened, and it just, I just had enough of it. It really killed it. So, 
Well, good on you for being able to speak out about it because honestly, yeah, exactly. that's something that this hobby doesn't see enough yeah. of, and it's something yeah. that I try to portray a little bit over YouTube and stuff myself. You know, like you know, we we all make mistakes and shit happens, so yeah. you know, it's always good to be able to talk about it. And if it saves somebody else from having a problem mm. or or if it's a learning experience, then it's all yeah, better. that's it. And you're starting to see it a bit more too, as well, from I think, other keepers as well. I think which is people good. are realizing shit does happen, and yes, exactly. nothing you can do about. Like I've had a I've had a real good run keeping reptiles. Like I've lost very little animals, and you know those that I have have been you know when I was either very young or complete freak accidents. Like there's never really been too much in the way of I don't know too many muck. I'm sure I fucked up somewhere, but um, yeah, it's. This this year, I mean, you can have as many animals as you want, and it's easy enough to look after them. But when something goes wrong, man, it it can go really wrong, and it can cost you a fortune. And I experienced a lot of very bad things <laughs> in a very short space of time, and it it hurt a lot financially, yeah. physically, mentally. God, it killed me. So yeah, you know, it's all good and well having a lot of reptiles, but man. Make sure you got money ready for it because if something goes wrong, you need it. Well, that's exactly right. That's one thing a lot of people don't think of. They get these, you know, start to amass these relatively large collections yeah. and don't think of when stuff goes wrong, it costs yeah. you money. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, I, the vets I aren't, aren't cheap. No. 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 I, I remember having to bargain with one of my vets um, I mean, a couple of years ago now where Loki, she must have got a tail like, caught in something in the enclosure and it just degloved like the last kind yep. of couple of centimeters yep. you know and i was just like oh, i don't want to watch this go because it was like raw bones sticking out i'm like you know something could that could go septic or, or something could happen there mm. i'm like okay, take it off to the vet and she's like look chances are it'll probably heal up and drop off and it'll be fine or you can pay me nine hundred dollars and we'll chop it off for you yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, see you later wage <laughs> for the next yeah <laughs> I want the animal to just be a okay, and then like trying yeah. to keep her happy and out of the water and all sorts. Yeah. Man, she was a grumpy. Yeah, person. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's um, it's amazing what, where you pull money from when something goes wrong. Hey, eh? like I, I don't know where I got all that money from that I had to pay for the vet stuff. Like it obviously helped my partner at the time. Um, she uh, she was a a uni student doing vet, so she got discounts and stuff. So that helped. But uh, it was still, I think, about six thousand dollars. It worked out just over six thousand dollars in the four trips, four or five trips that I did. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Adds crazy. Up. Yeah. So you, you kind of talked about your diamond pythons a little bit there, and something that I was always really um, inspired by was some of your mock rock work with that gigantic URS <laughs> vivarium that you yeah. that you did up or the terrarium rather. So, I mean. Obviously, Jason and I are kind of right into our, our builds and stuff at the moment. So do you just want to elaborate a little bit for the guys at home as to how you kind of put all that in Yeah, so um, yeah, it was one of the big URS enclosures. So they're about four foot long, a metre high, about 50 centimetres deep kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I managed to get those enclosures real cheap secondhand. I actually got two of them, um, I think for $100 each. To be honest, um, yeah, wow. it was a it was a real steal. So I bought both of them, obviously. Um, but yeah, I basically um, started <laughs> building this enclosure with the envision that I'd always dreamed of as a kid. And I just diamond pythons were a local python to me. They were the first python I ever found, and they'll always have a soft spot in my heart. Um, 
but yeah, I always dreamed of having a massive exhibit of just diamond pythons, super high yellow diamonds. And um, yeah, so I tried to set out and make that happen. Um, it was quite the project. Uh, it actually took me about eight months to build because um, I was supporting my partner while she was at uni while I was taking a break from uni. So I started doing two jobs and I was working about 70 to 80 hours a week. And um, I got through part of it, building it in my garage. And I'm sure both of you are very familiar with the amount of mess that uh, happens with carving foam. <laughs> and um, it yeah. kind of got to the point that it literally sat on the garage floor. And every time I'd just go in there to start working on it, it was just chaos in there. And I'd just walk out <laughs> and uh, I'd just say, no, nah, not today. Um, every time that I had a bit of a bit of time to do it. So, um, yeah, it actually took a very long time to build. But, yeah, I basically drew up a plan of how I sort of envisioned having a big rock wedge and how I kind of wanted it to look. I drew that all up and I just went through the basic things. Now, I built a couple of little backgrounds when I was younger, um, just trialing stuff. They were pretty rubbish, but I tried it. Um, but, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a bit of a, a – I don't want to say perfectionist, but I – try very hard to make things look very good. So I actually didn't like my diamond python enclosure when it was finished. I was very unhappy with it. But a lot of people were very you impressed like with me. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it at all. But, yeah, it was just the standard um, yeah, polystyrene. So I basically uh, – I can't remember the glue that I used, but it, I glued big sheets to the back and basically built it on the, on the back. But I'd always planned to have it built into the sides as well. A lot of people just build it straight onto the back where I kind of wanted mine to be more three-dimensional and actually come right out to the side. So then I glued on the sides as well and had them cut out to where I wanted the ledges. And I managed to pick up a huge amount of polystyrene blocks um, off Marketplace for free that someone had basically given up on a project they were doing and yeah, I, I got literally two trailer loads full of these polystyrene blocks for free. Um, so, yeah, wow. basically it, it made it very easy to make big ledges. Um, a lot of people just use flat sheeting and it, it takes a lot of sheets to obviously do the ledges of the size that I had. But, um, yeah, I mean, I basically did that. Where the ledges finished, I used expander foam to brace it a bit more. So... I wasn't convinced that the glue and the skewers and things that I jammed in there was going to hold the weight of the diamond python. So underneath the big ledges, I basically just used the expander foam just to give it some extra support and then, yeah, carve it away and slap on a few layers of grout. Um, Matt Somerville actually gave me a lot of pointers during the, the, the build process of that. He was, he was really fucking awesome because um, I wanted it to be as good as it could be, obviously. Um, so he sort of just gave me a bit of direction with what to do and how to do it. And, yeah, obviously, um, thanks for that, Matt, if you're listening. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt he will be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, well, I mean, to, to have him in your back pocket and obviously he learned off Christy and stuff about yeah. a lot of his mock rocking, like the, between those two, they absolutely Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Here, so. they're, yeah. They're, his stuff is awesome. Probably one of the best in the, in the world, I reckon. They're freaking good. I reckon yeah. too. Yeah. No Every doubt. It's a picture of an enclosure. I'm yeah, like, I know. Hey, every I time you're just like, God damn, <laughs> when will it be my turn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really good. 100%. No, that, that uh, Diamond Python um, enclosure, I know I've got that photo saved somewhere in my phone. Yeah. Uh, 
just for when I finally pull my finger out and get to get to my diamonds one mm. day. That's uh, essentially what I want to try to make it look like. It's just that perfect Cindy sandstone ledge. Yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah. Obviously, um, you you guys both keeping stuff in bioactive. Um, I I started going that way when I was keeping a lot, and I had everything in either bioactive or as naturalistic as possible, depending on what it was. Um, but it was it was really cool sticking those diamonds from tubs or you know average enclosures that you know that you know what they like as keepers who keep a lot of shit, nothing. Um, they just seeing how much they interacted with the vertical space was awesome. How like one particular, I had three in the enclosure, one particular female would utilize all these little grooves that I'd made out. She'd wrap her tail in the same spot every time, every time she was hungry and she'd hang off the ledge in an S-shaped position and she would literally hang above this bush. It was, it was really cool just seeing how they'd interact with that. Um, and yeah, sometimes I just take them out and let a rat, because I used to breed rats as well, just let a rat run around it for a little while and then I'll just throw them back in and just let them smell it and yeah, they'd go crazy over that and just changing up a few branches in there. It, it was it's definitely the way to go with keeping, I reckon. 100%. Like yeah. that's something that I do quite often as well as even if it's just a frozen yep. rat, like I'll just get one out of the freezer and just like scent market around a whole bunch of enclosures yeah. or whatever and just watch them go bonkers trying to yeah, hunt for the cool, thing. Right? That's enrichment. Yeah. That makes that makes their lives a little bit more yeah. fun, you know. They're, they're trying to find yeah. that feed or whatever. And, like, my diamond enclosure is crap compared to that thing, but it's still very practical. It's still got a lot of big logs. Mm-hmm. It's still got, like, shelves and stuff like that. And I love going in there and see them hanging down in that kind yeah, of it's cool, isn't it? Like, it's just yeah. unreal. It is. It's yeah. funny because um, I always thought, like, I've had big collections and I've, I've had, things in tubs and always been like oh yeah they're fine and it wasn't until i put the diamonds in that enclosure that i went this just isn't big enough like even at a at nearly four feet high i was like yeah, it's not it's not big enough and then i did trial a no. couple outside in avery's and i had um I had a two meter high avery and i still think that wasn't enough eh? like it's amazing you no. start going on this bandwagon of bigger and more lively enclosures and the more you see the animals interacting with everything, if you put fresh brows in there, whatever it is, it's you suddenly realise they use it every corner. So it's kind of like, oh, shit, are we doing the right thing, keeping them in yeah. But I don't want to go down that track. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Nah. I mean, everyone does, but they've got their place, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, but, yeah, just when you change it up and you just see the way they interact with the enclosure. Yeah, it's it's just, awesome. Yeah. You, you can't beat no. it really just it's it, good to sit back and yeah. watch it doesn't even have to be that crazy hey like no, one no. of my favorite things is to get like my my father-in-law he's got a whole bunch of golden cane palms around his place and he quite often he'll cut down a whole bunch of those and i'll shove them into the diamonds and the roughies and the green tree pythons and stuff and it's just like that's just something new for them yeah. to smell and crawl over for the next few nights yeah. or whatever you know dies you just turn it into leaf litter and mulch at the bottom of the tank yeah. and let it keep yeah. going you know it just keeps breaking down and yeah, yeah. It's not that hard to enrich lives, especially, you know, they are in limited space, as you say. You know, like I'd love to give half these animals, you know, big three-meter cube enclosures yeah. plus, yeah, you know, sure. like that'd be awesome. You know, big big walking things would be unreal, but it's just not feasible. Nah, sometimes it's not, no, but um, as long as you're working in with what you can and, you know, they've got the best lives you can give them, so I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just close down the question. I guess, guess one thing on that note too is, you know, it's it's real hard changing from 
particular setups. Like, you know, if you've got racks, for example, and you've got a rack with just, say, 20 snakes and you put one snake in a display enclosure and suddenly realize maybe you should have all of them in there, it, it obviously costs yeah. a huge amount of money to do that. But even just the thought of, you know, potentially going down that road and saying, oh, maybe I can do better or maybe I can do this or that and, you know, so on, even if you alternate the snakes out, I don't know, but, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. making progress yeah. is better than no progress, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, like we've we've said numerous times, like you see the trend on social media now. Everyone seems to be going down the same path. Yeah, so, I mean, there'll always be places for tubs. And oh yeah, and yeah, else, yeah, but... completely. Yeah, no, oh, racks have saved my life I mean, in some situations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, definitely. when I moved um from Gatton to Brisbane, where I was temporarily before I moved here. Um, I I didn't have the room to put anything up that I used to have, and I, I had to sell off my whole collection of exoterras, which is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, um, but yeah, I, I didn't have the room to move them and put them anywhere, and um, yeah, just due to circumstances, I just had to move. And yeah, it was a rack that allowed me to keep all that stuff, and I, I knew it was always going to be temporary. But um, yeah, it was if I didn't have that rack, I wouldn't have been able to keep the snakes. So. Yeah, exactly. I've got that place. Yep. I mean, I was only just showing you guys my new rack above yeah. my bookshelf here. You know, you know, all those. That's just for hatches. I still built another rack for some of my yep. adult yep. anteresia and some yeah, water yeah, pythons. Yeah, sure. So, oh, you still got your water pythons in some? I can't get don't, them up. Don't do it, eh? I don't reckon they're little yeah. assholes, but I I yeah. love them. It's it's weird. Water pythons don't seem too common anymore. You don't. See a lot of people no, with them. No, just about no. to say yeah, that. Don't see a lot of people with them. You should see one of the ones we got it's at work, amazing. mate. It's monstrous. I actually can't believe how big it is. <laughs> it's it's cool snake. It's shit. It will kill you, but it's it's big snake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I wish I saw some of those monsters when I was up there, but um, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, I've heard of a few of them getting around that rival olives. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, this one. This one does. It's ridiculous. Like a, I'm, I'm six foot or just just under six foot, and yeah, I can hold it above my head, and it's touching the floor and scooping on the floor. It's it's fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a monster. Yeah, I just love them. Hey, like it honestly took me like I want to say about eighteen months to track these two down. I don't ship animals. I've never imported animals apart from water yeah. pythons. <laughs> they cost me bugger all to buy the actual Probably snakes. Cost you more it cost me pretty much just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was just like, I just want yeah. these damn yeah. things. And, you know, tell you what, freight is getting so ridiculous this day and yeah. age. Yeah. It's, it's gone on the like... days of $60. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have to go through an agent yeah. now. You and they don't even do yourself. anything. Yeah. It's crap. No, they just book yeah. it for you. Yeah. It's- Oh, crap. It's probably one of the most successful business models ever. They literally, I don't know what they do. Hey, it's cheaper. If, it's, it's safe if you get something from Brisbane. It's cheaper for you to fly to Brisbane, mm. probably return, yep. than it is to send yep. one small box with yeah. like a gecko or something. When, when, I, um, when I actually drove down to the Penrith Expo, um, I actually freighted a whole heap of animals with myself because I worked out the petrol that it was going to cost me down was far, far cheaper than sending the animals down to Sydney to the bunch of people that I gave animals to. So I just thought, fuck it, I'll just drive them down and carry the permits with me. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. 
Absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's ludicrous. But yeah, that was the the first and the only time that I've actually mm. done it. So yeah, yeah it's not fun. Yeah, it's, they're they're cool snakes. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting worse. Yeah, yeah, for for hundred dollar water pythons. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> funny. Um, I've actually thought a lot about. But you can't get rid of them. No, no, don't get rid of them. They're worthless to get rid of. So, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. that'd be a cool one to do a setup with. I actually, I've been talking nice. with um Tyson Doc and about setups with them and actually trying to do like a more like a, a wetland setup where most of their aquarium is a wetland and then having two sites as land, I reckon that, that'd be really, really cool. It's amazing how much they utilise yeah, water. Um, I don't think people oh, yeah. realise it until you either keep them or work with them or see them in the wild like I finally have. But, uh, yeah, they're cool. So be- before we get into how you found those in the wild, we we have to ask like you you've currently obviously moved to the yep. NT. What was the kind of deciding factor as to that move? Um, I've always been pretty eager to move around. Like when I was eighteen, basically when I, yeah, as soon as I hit eighteen, I was out of the house and moved up to the Northern Rivers area. So I was at Lismore for a little while, and then I went to Ballina and then to the Gold Coast, and then. Yeah, being 18, sort of realised I couldn't really afford shit. <laughs> so I moved back home for a bit and then didn't like living at home. So then I moved out to Bondi and then I was in Bondi for a while. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just moved around a lot and I've always kind of enjoyed moving and living places. Um, it certainly makes things hard sometimes. But, yeah, I don't know. I just moved around a bit. And then I moved to Queensland to do uni. I uh, haven't finished my degree yet, probably should, but I'm just not really uni-minded. Um, but, yeah, I've always done trips to the NT. I think I've been to the NT eight or nine times before deciding to move there, and I just know every time I've been to the Northern Territory, I go to either start driving home or get on a plane back home, and I've just gone, why am I leaving? Like, I just love it here so much. And, um, yeah, I basically was in in a bit of a rut where I was in Queensland and I kind of just wasn't ticking boxes on anything and just felt like something needed to change and I was pretty keen on moving and sort of decided, well, my, my partner got a job up in a, a little town called Monto, which is southwest of Rockhampton. Uh, it's a town with just just on a 1,000 people and there's not a lot going there for me and um, that's partially why we've broken up and, and moved on. But, um, um yeah, I just, I just didn't want to move there and I didn't want to be where I was still. So I tried Brisbane for a little bit and then I just thought, nah, I've got a Brisbane's not for me. So I started applying for jobs in um, in Darwin and Cairns with the idea of going to either one of those spots. And, yeah, I just didn't really want to work in the farming industry in terms of like the barra farms or I didn't want to go back to hospitality. So I was trying to get something with animals because I'm – yeah, I've, I've got a lot of hospitality experience and other than that, I'm a personal trainer and I didn't really want to be in the fitness scene too much. Um, but, yeah, so I applied for a job at Croc Cove and um, it was funny, I actually applied for it quite a while ago and I didn't get the position. Um, and about two weeks before – sorry, I'd given up on the idea of moving to Darwin. I just didn't see it as being feasible particularly because I still had the diamonds at the time and I wasn't really sure what I was doing with them. And, um, yeah, just it just seemed impossible to get to Darwin, where Cairns, I knew a lot of people up in Cairns and everything 
just seemed right about Cairns. So I was like, oh, give up on Darwin. It's, it's just not going to happen. So I started looking into Cairns and then I secured an apprenticeship up there and then um, the apprenticeship went to shit and then it was back to square one. And I can't remember what I did. I did something on my bank account and I don't know, a, a, a link got sent to my junk mail. And as I went into my junk mail, this is probably two weeks after I'd given up on the idea of um, on, on moving to Darwin, there was an email from Croc Manager, whatever that meant. And I was like, what the fuck is that? So I clicked into it and it was basically like, oh, hey, we kept your resume on file. Uh, you got a bit of an interesting story about you. Are you still interested in working? Do you want to give me a call? And that was on I think it had sat in my junk mail for about eight or nine days and my junk automatically deletes at 10. So I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> wow. So I basically Lucky. called them straight up and I said, oh, hey, I've just seen your email. You know, um, I'd be keen if, if the position's still available. You know, what, what do I need to do? I'm, I'm assuming you've probably filled it. But, yeah, she was um, – Charlotte, the manager, she was pretty relaxed and basically said, oh, no, we haven't filled the position. We just – yeah, hadn't got around to advertising it yet. So if you're interested, do you want to do an interview right now? So then, yeah, basically did an interview on the spot, on the phone. Um, and then three days later, I got the job. So, yeah, then it was basically um, pack, pack my bags and get to Darwin. But um, before that, I had two weeks research work booked in that I was helping out with. Um, so that basically limited moving to two weeks. And, um, yeah, that was pretty chaotic two weeks to get to Darwin. But, yeah, that's kind of how it all happened. <laughs> wow. So so what, what's the actual position that you are? Uh, so I'm, I'm titled as an animal keeper. I, I don't really like the title animal keeper, so I just call myself a zookeeper. But, uh, yeah, I'm basically just an animal handler. Yeah. So most of the work okay. is done with crocs. Uh, we I think at the moment we've only got, I don't know, maybe, 20 crocs in the park, but we had probably around 160 before the move, um, and we're just about to get a whole lot more in. So, yeah. So what's it like working with the crocs? That'd be unreal. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I've never really thought much about crocs. Um, and there's two, probably two reptile groups I've never really thought much about, and that's turtles and crocodiles. Um, obviously you appreciate them and so on, but they've just never really grabbed my attention much. And, um, yeah, working with them and actually realizing each crocodile has their own individual sort of attributes and their own sort of personality. They respond to things differently. They respond to different keepers differently. And you're suddenly like, fuck, these are actually, they are as intelligent as people make them out to be and maybe more. Um, yeah, the, the big crocs are pretty interesting i've still got to get trained up to to do as much as some of the other people there but um yeah they're 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 pretty cool animals scary but cool yeah man i can only imagine yeah i'd, I'd love to work with crocs one day yeah, but where we i'm a sparky so I don't think we, we had a pretty interesting day the other day we had to move two crocs i, I won't say too much because i don't know how much i'm allowed to say on something like this but um yeah we, we had to basically swap two crocodiles over and they were both over five meters and both of them were about seven. I think the, the lighter one of the two was 720 kilos and the other was, yeah, I don't, a bit over that, 750 or something. And yeah, that took a, a bit of heavy machinery. And we had, because I don't know if you guys know, or any listeners, anyone that doesn't really know, 
Crop Cove is actually in Darwin CBD. It's on one of the main streets. So it's quite interesting. You'd basically be walking down by a bunch of bars and pubs and everything and attached to Crop Cove is a, is a very big bar. Um, and, yeah, we just sort of tucked away inside there and, yeah, we've got uh, seven very big crocodiles in there and a lot of babies and a, a nice little reptile collection. And, yeah, so it was funny because the way things are sort of positioned is you, you can't move particular animals by hand. So it involved, you know, having a freaking crane going out onto the main street kind of thing and shipping this giant crocodile off with a crane. Um into the new pen and then picking up the other one and moving it over to the other pen. It was, yeah, crazy. Pretty funny seeing people walking down the main street and seeing a freaking huge crocodile sitting on the back of a trailer while it was waiting for the other crocodile to get moved. Yeah, it's good good fun. Darwin, right? <laughs> yeah, only in Darwin. That, that's, um, that was my first trip to the NT was Darwin. I've, I've only gone twice to the yep. NT, but, um, yeah, I remember having, I don't know if it was, I think I was having dinner one night just before heading out to Fog Dam and I was just, uh, yeah, probably just down a couple of couple of stops down from where Crop Cove was. I didn't even realise it was right yeah. there. We, we did stop in there the last day or something that we were there and I was just like, man, this is so just tucked away. Like there's a big yeah. entrance and it does, it is well advertised, but at the same time it's, but it's uh, the amount of stuff that's yeah. in there. Yeah, it's amazing. It, that, that entrance is almost too tucked away that it's easy to miss. You know how like a lot of the bars yeah. and everything are right up on the sidewalk, so you're basically walking straight past them, whereas Croc Cove has got that big grand entrance, but it's set right back, so you, you miss it if you don't actually look and see. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah it's funny that way. Yeah. I definitely, uh, just to kind of touch back on another topic you raised about how you, you know, you're always getting a little bit down as you were leaving the NT or whatever. Like that's something that I've definitely felt the last, but actually both times that I left there and that's something that I've been heckling my wife. I'm like, come on, we can live there. Like why, why can't we live there? Like that's like an aspiration for myself to go up yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a different way of life, um, especially compared to Sydney. Um Oh, yeah. yeah, it's every. It'd be a lot more relaxed, oh, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, and it's socially acceptable. It's like another country. By no- yeah, yeah, yeah. You're completely right in saying that. It's it is like another country. Um, See, I've never yeah. been there. So oh, it's it's on my list of places. It's to interesting. Go. Yeah, I don't don't really know how to explain it quite right yet. It's saying it's kind of like another country is somewhat similar, or probably the best best way to explain yeah. it at the moment, but. Maybe something along along those lines, and also you've stood, you, you've stepped back in time a little yeah. bit. You know, like it's, yeah. it feels like how Australia may have been like a hundred yeah. years ago in a yeah. sense. You know, like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Pe- people are super friendly for the most part. I mean, you get a couple of interesting characters yeah, on on the main street and down some of the sidewalks. But um, I mean, especially after dark. Well, mate, even in broad daylight, <laughs> living there, you certainly <laughs> see it. It's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful area. Yeah. That's, so you're um, getting out herping much living oh, there? Oh, too or? much. Yeah, I got to stop. I'm just wasting so much money on petrol. Like, so I live, um, I live out near Berry <laughs> Springs. So not not right in Berry Springs, but relatively close to it. So Litchfield National Park is actually, I think it's, I think it's about ten minute, it's seven to ten minute drive from where I live. So. 
Yeah. Mate, you get a good night and you're just like, well, fuck it, let's go. You know, even if you don't have a good night, you're kind of like, ah, got nothing else to do, let's go. And the next thing you know, you're out yeah. till 2 a.m. in the morning or 3 a.m. in the morning. So, yeah, and then if I'm not in Litchfield. Field tanks down past, past half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough, but it's, I just can't help it, eh? It's so good because, like, I mean, obviously, if you're into urban or anything, living here, you just have the opportunity to see so much more. So, yeah, everything's still quite new to me. So everything I find is so exciting, whereas being in Queensland and yeah. Sydney, it's kind of just like, uh, yeah, you know, water dragon, cool, carpet python, whatever, <laughs> yeah. small white snake, <laughs> no comment. Yeah. And your photography is coming <laughs> down. Yeah, too. thanks, man. Yeah, it's um, yeah, particularly in the last, I don't know, couple of months, probably the last three months, I think it's, I don't know, oddly improved. I've noticed I'm more happy with some of the photos than usual. So I don't know what I'm doing differently, but it's whatever I'm doing, it's working. <laughs> Must be a diffuser. Oh, I've had that for ages, <laughs> eh? Um, yeah, yeah I, I got, I, you got me on that. Yeah, the... I got onto it a long, long time ago, um, yeah. way before many other people knew about them. Um, yeah, it was a good friend of mine put me onto that, but I, had, I knew two people that I followed on Instagram, and um, they they both shoot well, one shot uh, bugs a lot, and she was using it, um, and then. Um, yeah, she, she talked me into it and said it was pretty good and so on and so forth. And then I sent it to my mate and he was actually talking to the same girl about it. And then they didn't realize that they were good friends. And, yeah, he was actually – um, uh, his name's Colin, um, Tropical Colin Instagram. Most people probably know who that is. Um, yep. Yeah, he actually was so convinced with it that he actually bought one for me um, and had it sent to my door. So I didn't realize, but, yeah, it was pretty cool to – received that in the post from him um, and Brendan at Cygnus Tech. So, yeah, we, I had one of the originals where it's all in pieces and you're sticking it together with elastic bands and I kind of modified it myself with sticky tape and it worked. <laughs> but, yeah, now, now he's got it down yeah, quite no, well. I've been, um, yeah, I, I, well, since we've spoke, I've got one. Can't wait to hopefully crack it this Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Luke. Sounds good Awesome. Me. Where are you yeah, guys going? So. We're stinging. It's supposed to rain a bit this yep. week, so we might try and target some frogs, I yep. think. so. You can't go wrong with frogs. Um, they're, yeah. they're easy to practice 100%. with and they don't move too much. So, yeah, they're good. Well, it's, it's still supposed to be about 28 degrees according to Bomb. So, yeah, it's one of the warmer nights yet and especially after all this rain, yep. it, might be, uh, it might be a recipe. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's exciting. Hopefully. You have to send me some photos. Yeah, definitely not because we were chatting a while ago about photography and this and that. So, no, I've been following your um, your herping journey. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Can't help myself. Yeah, I'm not. It's it's funny going from keeping a lot and not doing too much herping to complete reverse and suddenly a lot of herping. And I thought I was an all right herper, but I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm certainly learning a lot of stuff (laughs) up here, and it's weird because obviously the climate's very different up here. Um, everything yeah. that I know from Sydney and Queensland is kind of irrelevant and doesn't work the same way. So, you know, I, I particularly noticed when I first moved up here and I was going out every night, things weren't being active until, you know, 10 or 11 at night. And I'm going, you know, such good conditions, why is nothing moving? And then, yeah, come that sort of hours at night where you're 
kind of getting over it. Stuff just suddenly explodes moving around and wait a little couple more hours and then all the geckos start moving. But, yeah, at the moment things are moving quite a lot. So we're just getting the build up now. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, last, I think it was two nights ago actually, I was out helping my mate clean the rats and, um, yeah, we didn't both both of us didn't realise but we were sitting there cleaning the rats and basically looked up and there was a young Darwin carpet python hanging down from the thing straight over the rats and um oh cool took that out and started taking That's photos of awesome it. looking Darwin too. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't too bad um I got a got a friend up here who's got got one that lives around her property and that thing would make morph breeders go shit crazy for it mate that thing is an amazing looking snake. Um, so hopefully she's going to let me know when she finds it on her property next and I'll shoot over there and photograph it. But yeah, you know, you know, um, Troy Bromie's ones, those red line ones that he's got, it's kind of like them, but fluorescent orange and cream, no black in it, nothing. It's just insane looking snake. Yeah. Yeah. And that just lives in the yard. It's crazy. What's, (laughs) what's going on? That's awesome. Well, I definitely found that when I was up there, actually both both trips that I went there as well is that I was making the mistake of going out really mm. early, yeah, going herping, and I did have a few people going, "No, nah, mate, you're supposed to be out at one yeah. in the morning." Yeah, you know? like, and I was just like, "I can't stay awake yeah. that long." Like, that's that's time for bed yeah. usually back in Sydney. You know, you're done for yeah. the night. So, but yeah, I did find that as well. It was about 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock. That's when I started finding a few things sitting yeah. around. Yeah. What what time of the year did you yeah. go? Uh, so I made the mistake the first time of going to Darwin just after the dry finished. Mm. So it was like just before yep. the wet season yep. really cracked on. So everything was still pretty yep. beat up. Um, found a couple of water pythons that were a little bit worse for yep. wear. Uh, didn't really find much else apart from that, to be honest. And um, oh no, I did get to see a couple of crocs that w- wasn't on like a croc tour. So yep. that was kind of cool to see them at Fog Dam at night. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, uh, then when I went to Alice Springs, that was, man, that was only this year. This was February this year. Was it really? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of scary. I thought that feels like yeah. years ago. Yeah. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, that was pretty cool. At least I've got a few species then, but I'd like to go back there and like, yeah, I don't know, maybe late spring or something like that. Yeah. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I have to tell tell you <laughs> when I went to Alice Springs. Go on, then. Everybody else knows. Just <laughs> when I went to Alice Springs the first time, we were walking through. I don't. I don't actually remember where it was because if it was, I would tell you where it was. Like I would. I would happily mm-hmm. tell you where it was, but I genuinely can't remember. We were walking through this woodland, and it it was one of the few spots where it was more like a, a denser woodland for Alice Springs standards. And I remember being so convinced I'd seen a mulga monitor that I'd climbed up this tree and I was, yeah, really trying to find it and I couldn't. But I was so convinced that I had. And I, my mate that I was with, he was like, all right, well, if you think you've seen one, we, we might find one again because there's enough trees here to, to see a few of them. And, yeah, started peeling bark and, and making sure that we weren't obviously peeling it right off, you know, looking under it and not trying to damage too much. But, um. Yeah, we ended up finding about 15 in an hour. So <laughs> it was crazy how many we ended up finding. It got to the point that I was kind of like, okay, cool. Next thing. <laughs> and Luke's out. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just one of those um, those freak 
just chance things really like it was every second tree we were finding them it was insane but like on the same trip we didn't find a lot of other stuff either but yeah that was the big success was heaps of them that would have just made my trip. Yeah. I would have given away the Western Blueys, the Stimmies, the Amio, whatever. Yeah, like, so we didn't see any of them. Oh. Yeah. 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 I definitely saw like th- that was – there was a lot of carnage on that yeah. trip. I didn't get too much carnage when I went to Darwin, but that, that trip was like – I remember finding like a five-foot Woma python that was just like perfect, just splattered. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the blackest black-headed monitor I've yeah. ever seen. Heads just smashed yeah. in, like thirty to forty um, uh, sandies, just like gone. yeah, you know, like it's just stuff crazy, like that. Isn't just it? like that, the sandies oh. dead on the road is mind blowing. It's amazing those things still persist. Like well, that's the thing that gets me. It's like seeing those in like a what a seven-day span. Mm. Like, how the hell do they still have numbers? Yeah, and what's crazy too is they get picked off every day by your birds of prey and other things picking them off. So almost every day you've got a new slate of road essentially. And as I said, I did um, I did four weeks research out helping on that Parenti project. Um, AHS did a, a, a vlog on it or whatever they did. Um, yeah, I, I was basically out there for, yeah, four weeks and um, – it's crazy because, yeah, we obviously you see a lot when you're out on the road and I think on one stretch of road we counted about 40-some dead sandies and that was only going one way and, yeah, it was only a wow. couple of hundred days. Wow, it's just crazy. So I think that yeah. and that was one day. So Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's amazing. And then, yeah, the the number of dead um thorny devils we found as well, like, yeah, we well, thankfully I got one live one. Um, still one of the probably the best thing I've ever found so far. But um, yeah, it's just insane how much shit's dead. Such an iconic Aussie reptile, that thorny devil. Like, I'll be honest, I I cried when I found it. It's they're such yeah. a weird. I've never seen one in person. I got so excited over it, I started crying because it was just we'd seen so much dead shit on the road, and it was depressing as fuck like nice central blueies so many sandies and i love sandies um yeah as you said tristis you know beautiful beautiful tristis just smashed and netted dragons and all sorts of things and then we actually thought this uh thorny devil was dead and we walked over to it kind of just like oh no one and then suddenly it sort of popped its head up and just quickly ran off or tried to run off you know they don't move too quick but um yeah i got so excited and i picked it up and you know just looking at it they're just so weird it's like they shouldn't even be real <laughs> but yeah i got i got pretty crop pretty pretty excited by that i started crying <laughs> I, I don't blame you like yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, i didn't i got i think five or six thorny devils dead oh. and one was like still twi- still twitching yeah you know, so it was kind of like I have still haven't seen a live one, so I've got uh, that urge to go back even just yeah. to nail them and the Gillens monitors, of course. Yep. But you know, there's yeah, something just so they were actually the first that I'd seen in the flesh, albeit dead. Mm. But I just didn't realize how small. Yeah, they were. yeah, they're weird, eh? Well, they're so yeah. tiny. Yeah, they fit in the palm yeah. of your hand. They're cute yeah. little things. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of detail in them at the expo. Yeah, that's right. Rex was there, that's wasn't the first he? Time I saw him. Yeah, yep. that was the first time I've ever seen one in the yep. flesh. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's up. Well, they, they were the only live ones, live ones that I saw is when – because Rex was actually closed down because of COVID yeah. and everything when yep. I went there. Like the whole – it was awesome for me because everything was just like a, a ghost yep. town. You know, like everything was just empty. There was nobody on the roads and everything, which is great for road cruising because you'd just be going yeah. 20 k's yeah. an hour in the middle of the day yep. and doing whatever. But, yeah, Rex was just like – I just sent him a message. He's like, yeah, no worries. Come into the park. And I was just like checking out all the are we, weird are we doing, like the Jamada or yeah, whatever yep. and stuff that he's got there. He didn't yep. care. He was just feed, feeding vents yep. and <laughs> just standing around oh, looking at everything awesome. there. Yeah, yeah, he's um, Lit. yeah, he's added, added a bit rough from what I understand. Obviously, Territory copped it pretty hard in terms of tourism and everything through COVID. So he was lucky. I think um, yeah. one thing that held him up real well was having the snake contract for the area. I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of yeah. my assumption. Um, but yeah, zoos didn't really do too well with COVID and funding yeah, no, and it's... so on. Shame, yeah. Really, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we went we went to check out the desert park when we were there too, and I think we were like between my wife and I. There was only maybe another two couples yeah. in there the whole day that we were yeah. there. Yeah, like it was. Yeah, it's yeah, sad. Well, it's it the is. time we live in. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we're on the up now. I know my yeah. my wife's a travel agent, so she's getting absolutely smashed. Oh, true. Moment, which is oh, that's cool. Yeah, so hopefully people will get a bit, bit more on the move yep. and a bit more mobile to come and visit these yeah. places and put some money back into the economy. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think everyone's gone an itch now. Just, like, everyone's just fucking desperate to get out, really. So, yeah, it's, working at Cotco is kind of cool because we have a lot – most of our market is tourists. So we, we have heaps of people from Adelaide and Perth at the moment, so many people from Perth yep. and Adelaide. Obviously, they're the two main states that can travel, but, um, yeah, you get the odd one from – Brisbane or Victorians that have been on the road for the last 12 months kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. What a life. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I had a family um, today, actually. Yeah. A, a couple, obviously, with four kids, and they'd been on the road for the last year and a half. Um, they basically just left off before COVID really kicked off, and they just extended their holiday and have stayed on the road which is crazy in my I don't know how people do that with four kids, but, yeah. That's fucking yeah. impressive. I can't do that myself. Yeah. <laughs> By myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine being in a van with my wife for that moment. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty hectic. But, um, <laughs> yeah. well, but geez, interesting. <laughs> she's outside listening to you going, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, she's on the other, other wall. She's like, yeah, when are you going to cut your bugger yeah. off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome so just, just kind of talking about the park can you give us like a little bit of a rundown of what your daily routine kind of looks like there um it's 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 pretty different um we, we've got two sort of main main things which is obviously as you know the the crocodiles are the major section and then we've got our little reptile house which is i, I think there's about 55 enclosures in there um so we got around 46 species we've got a couple of doubles at the moment which is a bit hard getting getting things in is hard and obviously being a a zoo we've been pretty affected by COVID so budgets are real tight at the moment and it's you know what can you do being a zoo um you just got to work in with what you can so we've had to move a couple of animals around and so on but um yeah if you're in with the reptiles um I've been in with the reptiles the last two days um but basically, yeah, we just 
going through all the daily cleans and everything and depending on particular days is when you feed certain things and so on and so forth, all your standard sort of husbandry routine. But, yeah, we basically go in and make sure the zoo's all nice, prepped and ready to have people walking through it. Um, if you're in the reptile house, you'll basically be on meet the reptiles, which is yeah, obviously you take a couple of reptiles out and give people about 30 minutes to come in and hold a snake and a lizard and have a few photos with it and answer as many questions as you can or try to get people to hold them if they're scared of it. Um, we, we do something interesting, um, which is a snake feeding show. So we actually take a snake out into the theatre. So we have like a little designated theatre um, and we set that up and we pull a snake out and show people how we feed snakes in front of people. Um, I don't know how many zoos really do that. Um, I, yeah, I don't know of any others. Yeah, well, I won't say too much on my thoughts on that. But um, it's... I think we could probably do a little bit more in terms of talking about um, reptiles as a whole. I think when you just talk about feeding and pull a snake out and feed it in front of people, it doesn't gel with everyone. And some people get a bit concerned yeah. about that, whereas I'm pretty big on education and I want people to like reptiles, whereas, you know, some people don't particularly like seeing a, a mouse get eaten. <laughs> straight up so yeah yeah that's kind of what we do um in the reptile house so we'll do that yeah one one snake feeding show a day um i kind of go off on my own tangent and take out a couple of lizards with me and try to talk about a bit more um but then if you're on the crocs you're kind of basically just doing the cage of death uh which is a, an attraction that we have which is cage diving with crocodiles so we've got a giant acrylic or perspex cylinder that we drop into one of four enclosures that we have and you have a big crop swim up and we basically keep the crop swimming around the cage and then yeah make it eat in front of you which is um yeah i guess it's pretty cool um it's certainly an interesting experience i mean even working with crocodiles seeing them from the enclosure you're kind of like oh yeah they're pretty big it's not until you actually i mean for example the other day when i had to move one and literally pull it with a rope um, it's kind of like, fuck, these are big animals, man. You, know, you don't realise how big they are until you're actually on top of them. And I guess a cage being about an inch thick where you can literally nearly touch them, it's a pretty interesting thing to have a five-and-a-half-metre crocodile swimming around. Um, so, yeah, most most of our work is doing that. Um, on particular days, we do feed-out, so we're in affiliation with a croc farm as well. So, um, yeah, we... We have a whole lot of hatchlings there, so, yeah, we have to feed them, obviously, so we do that three times a week, and those hatchlings are all used for either a photo booth that is external to us, so it's just an external company. Um, and then, yeah, we use them to teach people about crop farming and how it protects the species, I suppose, and how it does benefit them. Um, and then, yeah, my, my personal favourite part is actually the, the 222,000-litre aquarium that we have um, with a whole bunch of freshwater fish and pygnose turtles in it. Um, yeah, yeah awesome. I like that the most, to be honest. So if you get me on the fish show, I'll talk as long as I possibly can doing that. So basically, if you're working with the crocs, they kind of divide up doing either a croc show. So one person will do the croc show. Other people will be in the pens feeding and guarding. Um, and then someone will do a fish show. So you've got two fish shows a day, two croc shows a day, one snake feed show. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty vocal I suppose I'm, I'm always down for being in front of people I, I love all that sort of stuff and 
talking. So, yeah, you throw me on everything, I'm happy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the fish is my favourite. I love it. That is a really impressive aquarium too. I remember that was actually out of everything there, I think that was the thing that kind of hit me in the face the hardest was actually the aquarium. Yes, it's cool. I mean, I don't know, fish always have a special place in my heart, I guess, starting with fish and breeding a lot of different plecos and bristlenose and things like that. Um, I've always had a bit of an interest in things that are involved in water. Um, but, yeah, just it's just so cool being able to have barramundi that are, yeah, you know the size of the barras in there. They're all ex-farm stock. They're about 25-year-old fish. Um, but they yeah. come up and they'll smash food out of your hands. You've got the whip rays that are, you know, these giant stingrays that come up and, yeah, they love a good scratch on the head and give them a fish there. Yeah, they love it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Even just seeing, like, the size of the archer fish and stuff in there as yeah, well. Yeah, man. Like the, you know, you, you never see them that big in a fish. Yeah, and you know what's <laughs> interesting, actually, on the note of archer fish? I didn't even realize how big archer fish got until I went to Kakadu. And uh, I've got two particular places that I really I almost can't get away from when I go to Kakadu. If I go to Kakadu now, it's going there. Um, but the archer fish there are enormous, like, you have no idea how big archer fish can actually get until you see these things. And it's crazy is like they're normal swimming holes and there's sometimes hundreds of people in these swimming holes. And these archer fish will be cruising between people's legs and they're the size of freaking dinner plates. Like <laughs> it's amazing. But then the other cool thing about that spot is having like Saratogas come up to you and everything, like wild Saratogas that are a meter long, literally come up and check you out as you're snorkeling through and you're kind of just like, fuck, this is sick. That's <laughs> it's awesome. so good. That's yeah. good, man. So it makes happen. That's one thing I want to start doing when I go places is like snorkeling in, in the freshwater streams because I never used it's to do insane. it. So. It's um, You don't realize yeah. how freaking cool it is. Josh Hatton actually got me onto that. Um, I went turtle diving yeah. once. And yeah, I used to do a lot of um, snorkeling and surfing when I was a young fella. Obviously, in Sydney, it's a bit more accessible, but... um. Yeah, yeah. I, if, if the surf was never up, I was always out snorkeling and I kind of got away from that, unfortunately, as I sort of went into my teens and everything. But, um, oh, shit, sorry. Um, yeah, basically, as I've moved up here, I bought myself a mask and, um, yeah, I've just made a real big point of getting out as much as I can and it works really well with herping because obviously a lot of herping's done at night. Um, and then yeah. in Darwin or the Northern Territory, I should say, um, most of the middle of the day, is no good for herping. So you sit by a waterfall, you chill out, go for a snorkel, have a snooze by a waterfall. It's pretty good. Works hand in hand. <laughs> Sounds like a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was only saying to my wife before I came on, I'm like, man, I'm a little bit hesitant to do this show because I'm so jealous of your lifestyle <laughs> at the moment because the amount that you've been getting out, I'm like, this is yeah. exactly what I wanted to yeah. live. And, oh. You know, I've been heckling her about living up in the end too. Yeah. I'm like, you know, Luke's doing it. Yeah. Luke's doing it's, it. It's um, funny. I've, I've read a few books recently about just trying to, I guess, I, I think COVID really changed everyone's sort of outlook on life. Some Somewhere it's affected someone and um, I certainly noticed a few things about my life that I was kind of just like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if this is, you know, the end of the world kind of shit. Not that it is, but if it is, am I happy? And I was kind of like, fuck, I'm, I'm not happy. I've got a lot of shit that I want to do and I yeah. really need to make a point of doing it. So, um, yeah. yeah, when when the opportunity came up, it was it was a yes. And no questions asked. If I had to get rid of shit, that's, 
that's what it came to. So, yeah, I literally packed yeah. up my whole fucking life, which uh, you don't realise how much you accumulate until you actually have to get rid of it. Um, but, yeah. yeah, it's... um Or even move. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, just household stuff as well and you're suddenly realising yeah. that, you know, I lived in Queensland for four and a half years in the one spot and in four and a half years you can pick up a lot of shit, a lot of friends um, and then to suddenly just literally at the drop of a hat say, yeah, I'm moving in two weeks kind of thing. It's pretty hectic. Yeah. yeah. The good thing is though, you're young, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I sort of You've... figured that's um, why yeah. Why now is the time to do it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it certainly didn't, it certainly came at a cost, I should say. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, there's a few things that have had to be sacrificed as a result. Um, relationship of nearly four years and so on and so forth. But yeah, I think I just had to do it. So otherwise I wouldn't have been happy and kicking myself later. So yeah. Every now and then you got to look after number one. That's mate. it. Yeah. That's yep. It. But yeah, so. You know, exactly as I said, right. it comes with costs, and I'm, I'm certainly not making a lot of money up here. So, um, you know, I'm living good, but um, it's rough, it's rough going. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's it's worth it. I love it. That's good. But sometimes it's a lifestyle thing too, right? Exactly. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And that's what I realised. You know, and if if that's going to make you happier long term, then you've done the right yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. And money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah, so. exactly. Hell yep. no. Yeah, it, it certainly makes things easier, <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, yeah, you're you're very right. I, as I said, I, I it can buy things that make you happy. Yeah, but, but then those happy. things are materialistic too, and exactly. Yeah, you sort of kind of wonder how much do you actually need versus not need, and so on. And yeah, as I said, I I, I was working two jobs at one point, and you know, working averaging about seventy to eighty hours a week. You know, I was I was leaving by well, I was at work by six a.m. kind of thing, and I was getting home by eight thirty nine p.m. at night, and that was seven days a week kind of thing. And yeah, I was obviously making good money, but I fucking didn't do anything else. <laughs> so what? What good is that? Time and you're exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the point of working for all that money if you can't yeah. do anything? Yeah. Well, now now that we've started talking about you know obviously making that move and that lifestyle change. Do you want to kind of enlighten us about some of the species that you've been able to target now while you've been herping up there? Because you've been killing it with some cool animals. Killing's a one, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit further south. Don't make me walk off the show. <laughs> Killings are, yeah, a little bit further south. Than I just I'm thought going. I'd throw it in anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wait. I'll be flying up to Darwin and making Luke drive me south to that spot. Yeah, <laughs> You've got to remember where this spot is. Easier for both of us to fly to Alice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we can go down past the Tanami, surely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Why not? Can I get some yeah, moments? We'll stop in at Barclay. Matt said it's good out there. <laughs> get some Barclay adders. Yeah, in a nice. 10,000 K trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, um, yeah, Luke, I've, I've got two. I've ticked off one of the targets for this year. I've got two others, which is obviously an Owen Pelly Python. Um, and then I, I really want to get Glurdi out at um, Kakadu. Um, they're there. They're hard to find. Um, I'm still dialing in the monitor thing and, and trying to work that out. But, um, yeah, they're, they're my main two targets. So I've still got two to go. Um, recently I had Colin come up 
Um, we did a five-day stint that we we basically aimed to get uh, 50 species in five days, and we we still haven't got a final count. We're still IDing a couple of little dragons and skinks, um, but I think it's at about 57 species in five days. Um, so That's solid effort. Um, yeah, <laughs> we we went pretty hard. Um, unfortunately, our last last two nights just went to shit. Um, making an executive decision to basically give up on the Owen Pellies because we weren't quite where we wanted in our numbers. So we kind of left Kakadu and, and tried to go somewhere else and, and that wasn't a good call. Um, but, you know, you can't really predict certain things. All the conditions are right, but the animals just weren't moving. Um, but as a result yeah. of that, we did end up getting Gleba Palmer, which was which was obviously probably my highlight. Um but yeah, um, and you got an undescribed species of amylose too. Yeah, um, it's it's known it's known to science. It's just not being described. But, yeah, but um, not formally described. Yeah, yet. it was funny because I, I'd done a lot of research. Obviously, being into Strophurus quite a lot, I wanted to find Strophurus horneri, and I'd done a, a yeah. bit of reading through some papers and Google Earth mapping and so on, trying to work out particular spots. And I tried not to ask people who had found them. Because uh, I kind of wanted to do it myself. Um, yeah. So kind of worked out where we thought might be good based on the papers and what was in association with the papers and nearby places that we didn't have to walk as far as lazy as that sounds. <laughs> um, basically, <laughs> yeah, we we're looking through some spin effects and yeah, quite literally the first clump of spin effects that come up to there was this little gecko face down as you know any spin effect specialist gecko sort of sits and I stopped and I was like, fuck yeah, I've got one. And then I remember looking at it and I was like, that's not a Stephyrus. Like it's I know it's not, but I don't know what the fuck it is. And I sort of got a bit confused and stood there and probably looked at it a little bit too much. And um it started moving off into the spin effects. And I was like, fuck Colin, quick, get over here and I tried to stop it from um, moving into the spin effects and I ended up falling into the spin effects, and um, if anyone knows, <laughs> spin effects is not something you want to fall into. It freaking hurts. And, yeah, it was funny because where my yeah. hands were, the gecko was in between my hands, but I literally couldn't move my hands because I would get pronged from every freaking side, and this gecko just disappeared in front of my eyes. And I was like, God damn, I've literally just lost this gecko. Like, that's just appalling from my part. Um, yeah, anyway... Colin didn't get to see it. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it wasn't a Horneri or a Stephurus. So, yeah, it took us about another 35 minutes to end up finding another one. And, yeah, we're flicking through field guides and we couldn't work it out. And in Kakadu, you don't have a lot of reception. So I'm with Optus, so I've got no reception until I get back to Darwin. So, um, yeah, it was... It was pretty shit trying to work out what that was and we, we spent a, a lot of time photographing them because uh, a lot of the ones we found actually had no tails. Um, so obviously yeah, from yeah. a photography point of view, you kind of want to get something with a tail. It's a bit nicer, but you, we were still taking ID photos and so on, trying to really nut it out. Um, yeah, and I think we worked it out about four days later that we found some little, I don't know, uh, paper that we found basically saying that they're an undescribed species and they're, I can't remember which ones are the Obscura. Uh, they're kind of similar to Obscura but smaller and less colourful than the Obscura, which I found over in the Kimberleys. Um, yeah. 
and yeah, that they're basically yet to be described. So we we've gone with that. Um, and then Colin posted a photo of it, and there's an interesting comment under that, basically from a guy who did a bit of fauna surveys out around that area, and he basically said we used to call them a Malaysia Mimi or Mai Mai or I don't know, but it was off a Aboriginal derivative for something small. I, don't, I can't really remember, but um, supposedly he said they should be described very soon as a as a new species. So, yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of cool. It, it certainly had us a bit tripped up for a little bit there. Um, yeah, so as a result, I got quite a few photos of it. Um, unfortunately, I cooked my macro lens somehow and it literally stopped working mid-photo and still not working, so down a macro lens at the moment which is a bit of a bummer but wow. yeah so got it got it quoted yeah so they he said they nicknamed them the ojura meme yeah after the kunwin i can't pronounce that word i don't want to butcher yeah, it either um for small yeah for small is i think it's spirit that live in the rocks and cracks yeah, yeah. and it's, it's weird so. finding them because i mean we we found them I think we found them each night that we went out, but they were always yeah. in association, only on spin effects, on rocks. They're never down the bottom on flat planes or anything. They were always on rock. So, yeah, if you jumped off yeah. the rock faces and big cliffs and everything, they weren't there. But if you were on them, they were there. So, yeah, interesting little animals. They're cute. Um Got a good good yeah. photo of one next to Colin's finger, and it shows how small they really are. They're about the size of, or maybe a little bit longer than a jeweled gecko. Um, so yeah, give you a bit of an idea. Tiny. Yeah, 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 real small. Yeah, but they were cool. Wow. Um, they were probably another highlight. Um, yeah, just I was really happy with a lot of the photos that I took of them. Um, and then obviously having us so puzzled for a while was pretty. I don't know. I like that sort of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What field guide are you taking out there when you have uh, I actually out? use A Rod a lot. I know, I don't think A Rod is up to date a lot at the moment. Um, yeah. I've heard a rumor that he's working on a lizard app. I don't know how true it is or not, but he brought, brought out Snakes of Australia, um, which is obviously a, a very good app. Um, but yeah. I've heard he might be doing a lizard app. So I think that's where a lot of his attention yeah. is going. But we use it because it is pretty, um, usually pretty easy to get to what you're trying to find. Um, otherwise, yeah. Colin had yeah, it's pretty user friendly. Yeah, Colin had the I don't know who it's by the the most recent comprehensive field guide. Um, I think it's the fifth edition. It's got a little dragon on the front of it. Swan. Yeah, Swan. That one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have the book yet. I, this one here. Oh, I can't see that far, mate. My eyes, my eyes are cooked. I should have glasses on, but yeah, it's amazing. I see it's anything only got in the field. Copies of it. <laughs> it's amazing. I see anything in the field, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nah, you've got some. Uh, yep, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So Colin had a copy yep. of that, which was pretty handy. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit impractical carrying a book of you know, that size and weight around with you, especially when you're climbing up rocks and yeah. so on it. Yeah. At least you're not carrying the cogger though. Oh, no, nah, no way. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I bought that fully expecting to leave that in my car and it's uh, it hasn't moved off my shelf. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Handy book, but um, yeah, nah, 
Yeah, it's a good book, but yeah, it's just it's just a little bit yeah. too big to take out in the field. Yeah. Uh, what else? How 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 did you end up finding the Glebo? I know we kind of just kind of glazed across the top so, of that, but I want to hear a little bit yeah, more about right. that. So this, so. The Glebo were found when we made the executive decision to leave Kaku. Um, and we headed out to Litchfield, and obviously I'm pretty close to Litchfield, so um, it wasn't too bad. But I've I've had a lot of success leading up to that trip in in Litchfield. I'd found you know five or six, six snakes easily every night that I've been out, numerous geckos, so on. And we went there having two nights there, and we found two snakes, uh, and they were the same species, lady grey snakes. So not not great, uh, and so. You know, I told Colin all about how much success I was having. I was sending him photos all leading up to the trip, and so he was coming up with a pretty, pretty excited, and oh, it went to shit, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I said, you can't really predict those things, but um, yeah, uh, we went out, and and again, we just just kept hitting it hard and trying as much as we could, park up and go out for walks off off various tracks and everything, and just didn't have too much luck, but um. We ended up deciding that we were going to check out um, a particular area that's known for Glebos. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we went there and we ended up cleaning up with geckos. We got, um, oh, fuck, I don't even know, maybe 40 or 50 marmorata at this particular spot. So, I mean, from having not too much to photograph, it was kind of good to finally pull the cameras out and start photographing something. Um, we got several species of gyra. I think there was three species of gyro that we got there and then we ended up finding a little you i think it's pronounced euperolia which is a little toad thing little frog um yeah and some pretty cool spiders and i don't know some other little geckos and so on and yeah i think we were out until god i want to say it was about 3 30 a.m and i had enough by that point i was kind of like yeah we've, we've done a lot today and we haven't found too much and you know, I don't. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to photograph Gyra. Um, there are a lot of efforts to photograph, and usually your results come up pretty shit. So I was well and truly over it. Buggers. So I, I think Colin picked up that I was getting the shits with it, and yeah, went to bed and uh, rolled my swag out, and I was asleep, and basically woke up to Colin's face in the swag saying, "Get the fuck up! I've got two Gleba Palmer," and I looked at my watch, and it was six. 30. I was like 6 30, as if you've got Gleba Palmer at 6 30 in the morning. So, anyway, I got up and <laughs> we walked walked 50 meters from where my swag was. And um, he stopped and he pulled his camera out and was taking photos of water, whatever. I don't know. I, I genuinely didn't see the monitor. Um, yeah. And um, I just sort of stopped and I was like, yeah, whatever, take photos of the butterflies or whatever you're taking photos of. Um, I was still half asleep at this point. And he goes, do you see it? I was like, what? He's like, the Glebo, it's there. And I was like, no, I can't see that far, eh? Like, So anyway, I walked up <laughs> to see him and I looked through his camera because he's got a 100 to 400 mil. And then, yeah, sure enough, there's a Glebo sitting on a rock about, I don't know, 20 metres in front of us. And we're like, okay, cool, there's a Glebo. So now we've got to photograph it. So kind of funny because they've got a supposedly they've got a flea distance of 70 meters or something so they're supposed to be one of the hardest monitors to approach so we were fully expecting yeah. to basically get to where we were get some very shitty photos and that would be it i didn't particularly care i would have been happy just seeing it so 
what ended up happening was I took my camera lens off and we basically walked hand in hand, swapping the camera lens over on each other's cameras, taking photos, taking photos, and then we'd take five or six steps, swap the lens, take some more photos, take some more photos, so we could get closer and closer every time and the photos would gradually get better and better, but we'd still always have photos of it. Um, fast forward, uh, I don't know, half an hour, we, we took our time just approaching it and sort of letting it know that we weren't a threat to it and then we were probably two metres from it and it basically sat there not overly phased about us. Uh, so that was pretty damn cool, um, getting that close to a glebo that was happening to just sit in the rock exfoliation and it was weird looking through the camera lens because it was looking at you the whole time, didn't take its eye off us. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super cool being able to get that close to a wild glebo and it just ignore us. So yeah, I was pretty stoked with that. Um, obviously when we, we stood up, um, for, because we were crouching, obviously when we got that close to, to get the photos of it, it sort of backed off into the hide that it was hiding in and the rock exfoliation, but it always sat there and watched us and it eventually came back out and yeah, it was pretty unfazed by us for the most part. Um, obviously, if we got, you know, within that two-meter distance, it backed right off. But, um, yeah, it was it was cool. It was, it was a nice experience having a monitor of that kind of caliber. I don't know. It's a pretty big target for a lot of people. Um, yeah. So, you know, not have to actually capture it and restrain it for photos. It was... It was pretty satisfying too. Yeah, yeah. So everything we've got, uh, the photos of it, which I haven't posted yet, um, is all in situ. Um, yeah, it literally didn't move until we were in front of it. Um, so pretty happy with that. The photos probably aren't the best in terms of like photography standards and all that wide angle posing stuff that a lot of people do, but or I'm particularly trying to do at the moment. But um, I'm stoked that I've got photos of it, to be honest. So. Yeah. You're yeah, doing better than most, you know. That that's a cool animal to be able to see and let alone yeah. that interaction, yeah. you know, to be able to spend that time with it. Yeah. And yeah. Alert, gain your trust. Yeah, and- for sure. And thankfully that spot is I don't know, an hour drive, if that, from my house. So pretty convenient. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get some yeah. more photos. <laughs> but uh don't hold that to Luke's me. Booking tickets <laughs> now. <laughs> I know a travel agent. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's amazing though. Uh, even it's kind of sad, really. Um, basically, not even posting photos of it, but just saying that I've got Glebe Farmer or found Glebe Farmer. How many people will message you for spots? And basically, particular people, I'm kind of like, no, I'm not, not giving you spots. I know who you associate with. <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. Yeah, it's kind of kind of sad saying yeah. that's what most people's interest is is trying to get them on the books and so on. I mean, I understand it. I fully understand it. I would keep glebos in a heartbeat if I could get them. But um, yeah, sometimes it's kind of just nice to leave them where they are and appreciate it. That's it. You know, we don't have to keep absolutely everything in captivity. Yeah. As much as I'd love a pair of them myself, mm. you know, it's you know all in due course and and through the right methods. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but that's one thing. Like, uh, since keeping heaps of stuff, like cutting back, getting rid of everything, and starting to get into herping a bit more, I get more enjoyment of trying to find them and photograph them than I do keeping yeah. them. 
you got to start doing it first. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But like, yeah, you know, like it's, yeah. So that that's actually kind of the replacement for me in, in terms of keeping. Obviously, I went on a bit of a band ba- bandwagon with keeping where I, I really wanted to experience keeping everything, which was every small brown skin you could possibly keep, every strafurus you could keep. You know, I literally wanted everything. But uh, you realise after you've done a lot of that, that most things are mostly the same and they're no different to keep. It's yeah. kind of just another number. Um, and, yeah, kind of I started getting into photography again. Uh, I used to do it when I was a kid and got out of it. I sold my camera and bought leather back bearded dragons of all things. But uh, um, <laughs> back in the day when leather backs were, yeah, eight or $900 a lizard. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, I, I got back into it because I, I realized my phone just wasn't cutting it and I was doing a lot of trips or when I would travel, I'd try to get photos and the phone just wasn't living up to what I wanted to get. So started to get yeah. a camera and give it another crack. And yeah, it's particularly in the last maybe year and a half, it's, it's escalated quite a lot and it's gotten to the point that I, I enjoy that and finding the animals more and whatnot in the wild than actually keeping them. And yeah, it's just happy to keep if I do keep anything now, it's as long as it's easy to be left alone for a little while and so on. It's yeah, good, good just to get out in the bush. Wanted to do that for so long and used to love doing it as a kid, going canyoning and everything. And yeah, it's kind of nice just to take a camera and take photos of shit now and travel yeah. more. And that landscape up there, like you just can't beat it through like Kakadu and Litchfield Amazing. and stuff. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, you almost don't so know how to describe beautiful. it. It's, yeah, it's super, super cool. Ancient. It's just, yeah, very raw, very ancient, very untouched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely need to get up there. Oh, it's so worth it. Let me know wh- Let me know when because I'm coming again. Oh, whenever sure. you want to wait, you let us know and we'll do something like me and Colin did and just go camping. And it's so, it's so cool. So many places are so accessible. Like, you don't really realize it. Obviously, a lot of places are difficult to get to, but, I mean, I got a Hilux, so most places are pretty easy to get to, and yeah, you just got to do your research. And once you know, you can plan most things around. You know, seeing particular places. I'd, I'd done a lot of herping quite early on with my head down, just trying to find things. And I sort of realised I'd done a lot of travelling in Australia, but really hadn't seen a lot of landscapes. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, several a couple of years ago now, I did a big trip across from Cairns up to Darwin, and sort of made a point of stopping in and seeing places. So even if we didn't see the reptiles, it was you're still seeing sort of particular things. And, yeah, it's probably the better way to go about doing it, I suppose. Um, I know some people are pretty diehard herpers, but I kind of like to see shit and stop and appreciate landscapes and a few other things as well. So Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, yeah, you definitely as a landscape photographer as well originally. Well, I'm still trying to nut out yeah. landscape photography. I'm fucking useless at it, but... <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, don't don't post any of it because yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, you posted a few that were pretty good. Yeah, when when I had when I went to Carnival uh, Carnarvon Gorge in uh, Queensland, I, I actually did okay, and I was like, oh yeah, I've got this worked out, and not again. It just hasn't happened for me. I don't know what it is. If maybe rainforests just look nice in landscapes, but um, yeah, I haven't quite got the same finger on it yet. Practice. That's, that's it. Yeah, really. yeah, definitely. 
So speaking about photography, this is an awesome little segue. Do you have any kind of tips as far as your photography goes or do you have any sort of like favourite camera settings for daytime and versus nighttime and stuff? Um, like yeah, it's funny. Because I'm hopeless. Like I'm a complete novice. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, it's funny. Um, I've actually had a lot of people ask me about photography recently and I think I'm a complete noob at photography. Like I, re- I really I have no idea what I'm doing really. It just if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I just change settings and it, it either works and it doesn't work. Um, yeah, I, I kind of play it as a guessing game for the most part. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get I've, I've You're guessing pretty good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, recently it's been working out all right. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, I've had particularly a couple of young people asking me and they sort of ask me for the best setups and, they do some research and come back with all if, – if you're with Canon, I, I shoot with Canon. Um, they come back with all these L lenses and L lenses are very expensive lenses, um, you know, and they come back with all this stuff and, you know, one particular individual kid, he's, he's 14 or 15 or something and he's sent me a setup that was – I think I worked out it was about three and a half grand. I was like, I can't, I can't even afford that shit. Like, I don't think he, you don't have a job yet. <laughs> like – I think the best thing you can possibly do is just get a camera, like just a basic SLR or something. I mean, you don't have to shoot with an SLR, but I do. Um, mirrorless setups are pretty appealing now. Um, and, and as the technology improves, I'm wondering if I should make the change over to a mirrorless setup. But, um, you know, all you got to do is just buy a basic one. And, you know, for the most part, you don't even know if you're going to like photography. Some people buy, you know, a big setup and, realize they don't have an eye for it or realize there's a lot of fucking around involved with it and it's an expensive hobby i mean it's it's not cheaper than keeping reptiles you know i kind of got out of keeping reptiles because it was costing me a lot of money and time but photography is no different it costs money and time particularly in petrol as well driving places that i want to get to but you know um buy a camera buy it with as many lenses as it will come with because you need every lens you can get i made the mistake of buying my kit individually so i bought a Canon 80D, so it's a crop sensor camera. Um, I bought it as a body only, and I bought a lens that I thought would be okay for it. Very quickly realized I should have bought a kit lens, but it was too late by that point. Um, and then thankfully, um, yeah, Colin, Colin's been amazing to me. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough of him, to be honest. He's he sent me a lot of stuff for free. Uh, he sent me my macro lens. He sent me a flash. He's sent me the diffuser, he sent me several diffusers, um, all just out of being a nice dude, really. Um, and without him, my photography definitely wouldn't be where it is at the moment. Um, but, yeah, he, you know, he sent me basically half my kit um, just to try things and ended up saying I could keep it. And, yeah, all, all you got to do is, I suppose, just get a camera and start shooting, uh, you know. Uh, I had a lot of people sort of ask me about flash setups and all sorts of things and, you know, you can add all the technology you want, but if you don't know how to use it, it's just going to be more daunting trying to use everything together. You may as well just buy the camera and stick it on auto, take a few photos and see what the settings are like and then flick it over to manual and change the settings and see what happens. So that's kind of how I did it. I just shot all manual. I looked at Flickr and Instagram and talk to people on Instagram about some of the settings that they use and kind of nutted that out myself. And, yeah, I guess it's just a process of trial and error. I mean, you can look through my Instagram and you can see where my photography started. It's shit. 
<laughs> and now it's it's okay. Um, but yeah, you can you can certainly see particular transitions in the photography where it's gone from where it was to I suddenly learned how to use it or I added a flash to versus I learned how to use a flash and the difference that makes um, and then adding particular diffusers. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I, I share with Canon. My advice is buy a camera as cheap as you possibly can and start learning to shoot with it. And if you like it, upgrade. And you, most of the time, even a base level SLR will have more technology in it than you're capable of learning. So you may as well just buy a basic one. So I don't know. And you can get a lot of good secondhand stuff. Oh, it's too. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, one particular lens that uh, has been working quite well for me lately, I picked up for a hundred bucks off marketplace and yeah, yeah that was just from a, a wedding photographer who yeah, completely upgraded their setup and they had no use for it anymore. Um, yeah, and that was a, I think that's about a $700 lens to buy, and they just wanted to get rid of it. So that was a good score. Score. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I've definitely got to practice it a little bit more. I'm, I'm a bit lazy when it comes to pulling out the camera while I go herping. Yeah. I just kind of stand there and look at the animals. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, I, I've certainly yeah. noticed... Um, I've, I've, I've had a few people tell me that I should start selling my photos, and I'm not... I'm not really into that because I don't want to start seeing the photography as a, as a business thing. I'm very happy to just keep it as a hobby. And I think the, the big problem for me and my particular personality types, like if I start doing that, I'm going to start seeing animals as numbers. I'm going to start seeing them as a dollar value. And when they don't cooperate, you know, that's money lost and it's going to take away the appeal of just finding the animals and enjoying them. So for me, I've kind of, I'm, I don't want to say I'm lazy with photography, but I'm I'm quick to pull the pin on particular animals. If they don't want to cooperate with me, I'll very happily pull the camera away and kind of just go, it's it's just not going to happen today. Well, I'll find another one. If it's something that's real special you know, or my first particular animal, I'll try a bit harder and I'll, I'll maybe try work with it a bit longer. But, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to just let the animals do their own thing and I, I want to enjoy the animals. Um, I think a lot of people don't realise that a lot of very good photographers and uh, particular people who get some fucking cracking shots, a lot of it is posing and working with animals and, you know, you see some great photos of venomous snakes up close and everything and people don't realise how freaking close you get and, you know, you, you're putting yourself on the firing line like I... Um, I've found a particular snake up here that I'm very stoked about, which I won't say what it is, and um, it, it is a venomous snake. And, um, yeah, it, it very nearly, well, it, it head-butted my arm. It shot over my diffuser and hit my arm and then actually hit my shoulder in the same time. Um, thankfully, I didn't get bitten. Um, but a lot of people probably don't like the sound of that. So, you know, you got to realise that. With photography, there is an element of posing the animals to get the artistic shots that people try to get. And to get artistic shots usually means interfering with the animal, and interfering with the animal can put yourself at risk if, if it's a venomous snake, for example. So it's yeah. it's not, I don't know, herp, herping and um, photography is not as glamorous as a lot of people make it out to be, or as it, as it looks, 
there's a lot of work that goes into getting a single photo. And as Jason, as a photographer yourself, you know how many photos you take to get one good photo. You know, if you get two good photos in a in a single session, you're fucking stoked. <laughs> so sometimes the whole yeah, session you don't I, even keep one. Yeah, I, I do have a video of this particular snake, um, which I will post at some point. I'm I'm just not posting it yet, um, and it nearly gets me in the, in the uh, photography thing. I've just got to nut out what I want to say about it because I do want to emphasize that photography is not all glamorous. Um, and it is not for everyone because I've, I've just found recently so many people are asking me about photography and I don't think I'm a good photographer by any means. I just, I just, I've got two years under my belt kind of thing. I'm really learning everything still. Um, so it's, it's, it's a weird thing having a lot of people start to ask me about it. Um, but I want to make sure that people don't just get into it thinking it's easy and, you know, hassle free and, you know, you're not at risk at any point because, you know, you've seen the Cygnus Tech Diffusers. They're a giant shield on the front of the camera and that snake, fuck, you went straight over it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're quite big. Yeah. But they're great. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time it's good, but for that snake, it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> it was good for, was it the olive or the water python? The I water python, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Shit snake, that one. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't knock it off the bloody um off the camera. Fuck, you hit it with some force. Yeah, that's a big python. Yeah, that's a good video yeah, that, eh? That's a big python. Yeah, I love that. I've watched that yeah. so many yeah, times. That's probably my favorite video. <laughs> Just your reaction to it the whole way through was awesome. <laughs> all right, fuck, all right. <laughs> yeah. Just smashing the diffuser yeah. one after another. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, the unicorn, yeah. man. The unicorn has been found. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Now you just got to get the cloud eye. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad finding a unicorn. I don't know. Even though it's only a water python and, you know, I definitely should have found one before I did. Um, it's kind of sad when you finally tick it off because it's a particularly a water python. It's such a stupid species to have as a as a, as a unicorn. But, um, yeah, I've ticked it off now and now it's kind of like, oh, it was kind of better when it was a unicorn. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's always going to have a bit of a soft spot in your heart, yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Fucking. Even even being a more common species. Yeah. like. Well, yeah, it's just crazy. Know. Everyone that I talk to about that, like, you know, I've been to Fog Dam that many times and never seen a water python. I've been in their range even more times than that and I've never seen a water python. You know, hundreds of dollars have been spent expecting to find a water python and <laughs> fucking found one yeah. <laughs> until, yeah, the other the other month. And now I've seen freaking heaps of them, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I can make you feel bad. I went up there and it was bone damn dry and even I stumbled across four of them my first yeah. trip. <laughs> yeah, see, and that still annoys me because I've been in, like, pristine <laughs> conditions. I've been in, like, you know, People on the same trip as me who were on different cars had seen them. You know, it's just mind-blowing, but I just didn't. I just couldn't find them. And, yeah, yeah. it just did my head in. But done it now. It's luck and timing it sometimes. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, apart from your camera, do you have any sort of, like, other essential gear that you do take out herping with you? Oh. Uh, not really. I'm 
Yeah, if you send me herp and I, you'd be. I don't know. You can ask Marcus Healy about it. He um he had a bit of trouble keeping up with me when he came out one time. Um, I usually go barefoot. I'm in shorts. I'm either in a shirt or singlet. If I'm not in a singlet, I'm shirtless, and I run around with basically just the camera and a water bottle. I've I've started recently taking a water bottle. Most of the time, I didn't take a water bottle, which is stupid. Don't do what I do. Um, but yeah, basically, it's bloody hot up, oh, up here. Is no question about it. it. No yeah. question. Yeah, it's amazing how much water you'll drink through here. I've probably go through about ten liters a day when you're herping, at least, and that's with like hydrolyte or anything like that to try replenish salts and stuff. It's amazing how much you can drink and still feel thirsty. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, most of the time I'm just making sure I've got my camera gear. Um, I've started taking binoculars with me. Um, that's not necessarily just for reptiles. I kind of just like seeing a lot of stuff and sometimes it's cool to see particular birds. Again, up, up here I don't really know a lot of the wildlife up here, particularly not reptile stuff. So it's nice to have binos to zoom in on particular birds or insects or whatever and see stuff. Um, yeah, I, I've got a first aid kit in the car. Um, I think every herbert should have that. I've recently added in a few plant sources that have been modified to take photos of things. I, I quickly realised that a lot of the snakes up here have a lot of energy about them and Sometimes it's just very handy to have a plan saucer to just stick them under and let them chill out for a minute. Um, but other than that, yeah, not not a lot. If I need a hook, I'll grab a stick. <laughs> if, if if I need a stick. So, yeah, again, I don't recommend doing what I do. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fucking lazy. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, it was just one of those questions because, you know, like, Everybody's got something different. Like my my one main thing that I definitely have with me every time I'm out is a bandage. Yeah. Like just at the very least, it's in my backpack. Never had to pull it out whatsoever, but it's just in case shit. Yeah, yeah. I think Um, it's it's one of those things. You know, you can you can always expect the worst, but it it never really happens. Like I don't know it. It never happens most of the time, but it only takes that one time for something to go wrong that it does go wrong. Like that snake exactly. the other day that I've got photos of, when he shot over the diffuser and he hit me in the arm and the shoulder in the one thing and I didn't get bit, and me and my mate looked at each other and I'm like, how the fuck did that just happen? Because <laughs> like, it, it smashed my mate's diffuser as well when he was taking photos of it. Um, and, yes, smashed Venom all through it. And, yeah, it was... It was not a happy snake, and it, we didn't get a lot of good photos of it. I've only got two, and they're basically identical photos. But, um, yeah, it, it was not a snake that was willing to cooperate. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. In, in terms of, yeah, I always take water, I suppose. That's probably the main thing. I've gotten really into hydrolyte um, or any, anything like that. I've, I've found, obviously, up here you sweat a lot, so you lose a lot of salts, and being a PT, I'm into making sure my body works optimally but um yeah that it, it's amazing how much uh that stuff helps when you don't think it does particularly in the climate up here yeah it's amazing what one little tablet can do in terms of your energy and how you function and think about things and i, I guess essentially make critical decisions if you need to so yeah otherwise a headlight 
you can never go past a good headlight. Um, very expensive, but buy yourself an LED lens up. But anyone that wants to go herping, you cannot go wrong with an LED lens up. It'll cost you 180 bucks. Yep, they're but good. They're brilliant. Yeah, I've gone through a few of them. Yeah, I've got, I've got two now. I, I bought a backup one because I first time I've ever fully drained the battery on one um, out herping in Kakadu, and they obviously charge their funny little ways. You can't just replace the battery in them. Um, yeah, I ran out of battery on one, and I was not quite finished with my herping yet, so I went out and bought another one. <laughs> so I've got two. Yeah, I've been meaning to invest in one of those for a little while. Yeah, you... I've still got a, still got a good head torch, but it's, yeah. I'd you like think to it's good. It. Trust me, you think it's yeah, good until you try on a, a try an LED lens. It's insane. Oh, I've got mates with oh. them, and I always like look over at their beam and everything and go. You see everything in front of you for fucking a kilometer. <laughs> it's yeah. insane. I actually yeah. think sometimes they're too bright. Um, I, I haven't talked to many other herpers with this, but um, eye shining, particularly geckos is a bit of an art form and I actually think it works better with lower light. I've had so much trouble with my LED lens at eye shining geckos. Um, Have you got the adjustable yep. one? Yep. I still think it's yep. too bright. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I also struggle telling the difference with colors. I don't know if I'm colorblind. Many people will tell you I'm colorblind because I really struggle to distinguish colors. But um, seeing the the pink eye shine is really really hard for me, and more often than not, I like end up end up seeing the gecko before I actually eye shine it. Uh, whereas I've got mates who are freaking brilliant at eye shining things, and they'll see things from twenty meters away and just go pick them off walls or trees and go on kind of thing. And twenty lizards later, I'm still trying to find one, but they're there. <laughs> <laughs> it is an art. Yeah. I've heard that. I don't well, think I'll be too good at either. <laughs> I will, we'll have a bit of practice together, mate, on Saturday yeah. night. It all going to plan. Yeah, Go and find good. some the, the key, The key to getting the light is basically in between your eyes. So it's, yeah. 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 But fro- frogs are pretty easy, actually. I don't, they seem to shine a little brighter than geckos. I don't know if that's just me. I, I can pick frogs up relatively well. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I can too. The geckos are puzzled me a bit with the LED lens because I used to be able to do it pretty well not so much anymore yeah well mate this has been absolutely phenomenal I don't do you have any more questions at all Jase no no I'm good this has been an awesome chat and we'll definitely have to get you on uh, a little bit further on down the road as well because uh, I'm no doubt that you'll end up finding a whole bunch of other species to make me incredibly jealous of hopefully you'll come <laughs> up some of them mate I'm stinging I'm hoping yeah. that these green trees come out happy and firing and I can uh, sell a yeah. couple and make some banks for some adventures. on that, by the way. That's pretty exciting. Well, yeah, not until they hatch. Well, it's, uh, you've, one step at a time. You've got to the point of getting eggs, which is which is a good good step. So yeah. incubating is not too hard for the most part. So, yeah. She's doing it for me. Oh, you're doing, you're doing maternal? That's sick. That's, that's cool. All right, that. Uh, I actually started doing maternal yeah. a lot with a lot of my stuff, and yeah, I, I rate that. It's a good way to do it. I've um, I got the humidity and temperature sensor from Grid Connect just on top of her, on top of her tank. But I actually went and just bought a separate hygrometer thermometer, and I just popped it down next to her today, just so I can kind of see yeah 
a little bit more about what's actually happening inside the box rather than the room itself. Um, but yeah. It, Okay, it's it's interesting too because obviously um, incubating eggs, you're all so anal about stable temperatures and stable humidity and so on and so forth. But mum knows best, eh? She'll if she needs to raise the humidity, she'll piss on the eggs, like as gross as that sounds. But and I I had several diamond pythons and I let them eternally incubate, and that was just in bird nest boxes, and yeah, they they made it work and. I actually incubated a, the clutch of eggs that got um, uh, surgically removed and all of them hatched. And I don't know if it was because they were just got removed surgically or whatever, but that entire clutch ended up getting euthanizing. They were just terribly weak. But every clutch that was maternally yeah. incubated was brilliant, strong, strong babies and, yeah, really, really good. Yeah. I mean, I was about to pull up pull her off them and I'm like you know what this is one of those things that I think she's going to do a way better job yeah. than I'll ever be able yeah. to do yeah and she I'm yeah. almost set she will it's 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 cool and yeah. seeing them hatch when the mum's wrapped around them and you got you obviously yeah. have bright yellow babies heads. popping out it's it's going to be freaking cool make sure you set a like a baby yeah. camera up on them or something Dude, she's got a camera on her full oh, time. True. I've been getting messages this whole whole time saying that it's been movement detected, and that's because the male's still in oh, there with cool. her. I've got to I've got to pull him out yeah. um, just before anything else happens. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm um, yeah, I'm incredibly stoked. Hey, yeah. so it'll be it be a bit of a whirlwind adventure, but yeah, 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 that's awesome. I, I had I greens. I, I had uh, four greens for three or four years, and I got eggs every time, but killed them incubating them trying to incubate them that was before i was convinced that maternal incubating was the right way to go and when i moved up here um one of them went up to a mate of mine up in cairns which he bred it with uh, one of matt somerville's and she's now got eggs and yeah so kind of bitter about that but um it's all right <laughs> it's all learning though yeah. right like this is this is actually the first time i've done mi and it's just like okay this is one of those times that i have to put my pride aside to say that i can do yeah. it and and you know as much as it's risky with an animal that I've been trying to breed for years, it's just that thought of no. She's she knows where she needs yep. to go. She's sitting down in the leaf yep. litter. She won't let him go. She keeps trying to bite me yep. when I try to get him off her. Yep. So just let Is her. Is she have a tame snake it. normally? She's pretty chill. Nah. Oh, she's not like you can get her out and you can play around with her yep. safely. Um, but she's an asshole around food like most yeah. greens. Yeah, yeah, they're quick to a. Eh? Greens and another yeah, level of quick. quick. <laughs> it's pretty cool <laughs> for a snake that sits on a stick all day. Yeah, when they, they can yeah. be quick and they want when to they move. want to move. Yeah, they can. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Oh, mate. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Um, for just before me. you do bail out here at all, I mean, you can stay on for a bit, bit afterwards or whatever. But um, did you have anything that you wanted to throw out there? Like, did you want to throw out your Instagram handle or something where people can come? Oh, follow yeah, you I on? suppose. Um, yeah, people want to follow me. You can follow me at laj underscore wildlife. Um, yeah, but I mean, my a lot of people think I'm learning all my photography myself. My photography has been built up by many, many people. Um, Tropical coal cat. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Hoogstra or something. She's you know Matt Somerville even. Heaps of people have helped me with photography, so I'm definitely not a self-taught person. Um, so thank you to everyone who's 
helps me along the way and being patient with all my fucking questions and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, thanks. Oh, that's good, man. All right, guys, we will sign this off now. So we'd like to say a massive thank you to Eric and Owen and the rest of the MPI crew for having us. If you'd like to contact them, it's best to find them at moreliapythonradio.net and email them at info at moreliapythonradio.net. As far as contacting us on our social media platforms, you can email us at australianherptoculture at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Make sure you check out our Teespring store for the podcast merch. Link is on the Facebook page. To see more of what Jason is doing, make sure to follow him on Facebook and Instagram at The Gecko Effect. For myself, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, and Teespring under Beach of Scaly Beasts. We hope to have you back here next week for another episode of the Australian Herpticulture Podcast. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night, guys. Thank you.